So uh, when you see the title at the top of that slide and you hear the word fake news, what do you think of? I asked my son that yesterday just to test it and he said, CNN. <laughs> you might think of Fox News, the opposite, right? Um, I think of Donald Trump when I hear it because he popularized the term fake news as part of his campaign and still uses it today. And you may think, well, Donald Trump is the king of fake news himself. It doesn't, I don't know but what you're thinking, but I'll just tell you that it, it does remind us, this term that we're living with, that all of us have learned to be a little skeptical about everything we hear, even on news reports. It seems like there was a day, at least in our parents' lives, where they thought that the news was just sharing the facts. But more and more, we feel like it's sharing an interpretation, uh, maybe even a falsehood, right, in the name of news. The uh, British government doesn't like the term at all. They feel like that maybe, maybe this American fetish for the word fake news is, is causing a problem itself. So I thought you ought to see this quote. On, Octo on October, I forgot the date, 2018, the British government decided that it will no longer, the government will no longer use the term fake news because it is poorly defined and a misleading term that conflates a variety of false information. They're kind of saying the whole use of fake news is fake news, right? It, it, it gets you away from genuine, by genuine error through foreign interference in the democratic process. Those last couple lines just, I, I can't really figure them out. Maybe it's because I'm an American and I speak American English and not Britain, British English, but fake news. You know, it's very irritating and frustrating. You maybe even have turned the dial on the television set to find a, a different news report. Or st I, I, I have taken and not taken the Austin American Statesman several times in 26 years I've lived here because I just feel like this is, this is not real. Um, it's frustrating. But if it's about Jesus that you're concerned about figuring out the truth, if you're concerned about figuring out the truth about Jesus, it's devastating. It's not just frustrating. And Jesus knows it's devastating. And this idea of fake news, the devil's been playing with ever since the beginning. You remember how Jesus said it's in John 8? He said, Jesus said the devil is the father of lies, right? He's lied since the beginning. And he's mixed things up, smoke and mirrors. So the devil's behind this whole idea of falsehood. And he especially likes to mix people's minds up about Jesus. Some of the people that were in the band, you know, they were here this morning, so I like to change things up just a little bit. When I was in uh, Mankato, Minnesota as a student, I was trying to call my pastor one day, and so the other guy on the other end of the phone answered it, and I said, hello, pastor? And he said, no, this is Jesus. I had dialed the wrong number, <laughs> obviously. I said, Jesus? How could you be Jesus? And he goes, oh, Jesus' message was that there's a little bit of God in all of us, and that's what he tried to teach us. And he went on to, you know, of course, I'm a pre-seminary student, so I was ready for the fight. But uh, is, that, is that Jesus' message? Right? I remember sitting at, while I was at the seminary at lunchtime trying to share the gospel with a coworker, And she, uh, she had married a nominal Jew, and she, and she had grown up really nothing. She, and, and she said, uh, as I was asking her about Jesus Christ, she said, you know, I believe in God, but I really don't believe in Jesus. Uh, I, I had someone say that Jesus' main message, this was a, a pastor actually, said Jesus' main message was love, liberality, and freedom. Fake news. In Jesus' day, they said what that woman said to me. They said to him, the, the Jewish leader said to him, we believe in God, but we don't believe in you. And so when they said that to him in this story in John 5, which we're about to see in a minute, 
Jesus actually says, if you don't believe in me, you do not believe in God who sent me. You cannot have it where you separate it. Um, Jesus is the only thing we have. It's God's only message. That man, Jesus, is his answer to this planet that's fallen and people who are passing through fast to death. Jesus is the only one that can bring us to spiritual life inside of us. And he's the only one that can raise our bodies at the end of the world. It's our only hope. And he knew that. Of course he knew that. And he wanted everybody else to know that. And the devil was fake newsing about Jesus even under his nose. The way this story goes is in John 5, Jesus heals a man that's paralyzed by the pool in the southern part of Jerusalem. You remember that story where the, 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 the rumor was that when the bubbling started happening because the water was coming from the guy on spring down to the pool of Siloam, when the bubbling started happening, then the first one in the water was supposed to be healed. And the man said, I can never get to the water fast enough because I'm paralyzed. Jesus said, do you want to be healed? And he said, yeah, but I can't get in the water. He said, get up, take your mat and walk. And then Jesus took off into the crowd. The guy picked up his mat and walked. Happened to be Saturday, you know, the fetish. In Judaism, there's a rule about not working on the Sabbath, but the fetish was you can't even walk so many paces, you can't carry your mat, you can't carry anything in your hands. And so they saw this man work. Why are you working on Sabbath? <laughs> He's the guy everybody's seen is paralyzed. Why aren't they saying, what happened to you? And instead, they're criticizing that he's walking with a mat in his hand on the Sabbath. And they said, who did this? He said, I don't know. Jesus appeared to him later, came out of the crowd, and he said, do, sin no more lest something worse happen to you. I am Jesus. I'm the one that healed you. So the man, after that conversation, I don't think he was malicious. He went and told the Jewish leaders, I found out who healed me. It was Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth, remember, from up north. He healed you on the Sabbath. He cannot be from God. Really? So they came to Jesus and said that to him. You can't be from God. You healed on the Sabbath. And he said, look, I judge what's right or wrong, got the Father, my Father in heaven, because I'm the Son of Man, which means the Son of God, in this conversation. He said, I decide what's right and wrong on the Sabbath. Well, that made him really mad. They said, you're making yourself equal with God, the Father, by saying he's given you all judgment? And they, 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 they whispered to each other, we've got to kill him. And that's when this happens, these words. Remember, fake news. He wants to save their souls. He wants to keep our souls safe. They're beautiful words, but they're very poignant. The first paragraph, I'm the only one that can make you spiritually alive. The second paragraph is going to be, I'm the only one that can raise you from the dead. You need me really badly. Very truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. This passage is saying essentially what John 3.16 says. But if I'd have asked you, what, is, what does John 5.24 say? You probably would never be able to tell me. I don't think I would have been able to tell you last week the way it's, you know, where it is and what exactly it says. But I can tell you John 3.16, but they're saying the same thing. So think through John 3.16. For God... So loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him, and Jesus is the one saying these words to a Nicodemus late at night, whoever would believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life. Okay, Here, 
Whoever hears my word, Jesus' word, he's talking, two chapters later, and believes in him who sent me, because I'm telling everybody I'm the savior of the world that he sent, has crossed over from death to life, and they will not be what? Judged. Not be judged. The only way to escape judgment and not be the walking dead is to believe that Jesus is your savior. Not a great moral teacher, not a great example, not a great mystic who led, led you into how to have a good prayer life with God. Not a little part of God and then a teaching you, you have a little part of God in you. Not an imaginary creature that a lot of people say the historical Jesus that we preach doesn't even, never existed. No, he was real, he is real. He's the son of God made man to take in his flesh our sins laid on him. And all of those things that you have done and will do because you are so fallen, he took it all away. You know the story. You believe it. That's why you're here on a Sunday evening. And you will not be judged. Let's do it this way. Say it with a confident tone. I will not be judged. That wasn't very confident. Say it with a confident tone. I will not be Say it one more time. Doesn't that feel pretty good? I will not be judged. My Savior has taken my sins away. You have crossed over from death to life. You see, if, if a person thinks that they're so close to God through their prayer life that they, they will not be judged, they're the walking dead. If a person thinks that through their knowledge of theology, they will not be judged, they're the walking dead. If they think through keeping their set of ethics or rules, they're pretty good, they're good enough, whether it's secular or religious, they are the walking dead. If a person says, no, God's message was freedom and liberality and I just live a self-indulgent life, but I've got Jesus in my head, they are the walking dead. Those who've crossed over from dead, death to life are those who've been confronted that I am lost in my sin without a redeemer and I believe this man is the one. When he said it is finished, he really paid for my sins. Jesus said, that's his word. If you believe my word, the one that sent me to do this, You've crossed over from death to life. And when you believe it, you smile. Feels good. You're happy to live this way. No matter what your circumstances, you still have troubles. You still have struggles, but nothing like living without that gospel, that good news. Now, the next verse, 25, is saying it more strongly the same thing. But it looks like he's talking about the resurrection from the dead. So you've got to watch yourself, okay? He says very Truly, I tell you, a time is coming, and look at the next phrase, and has now come. Those are the same words he said to the woman at the well in Samaria when he's telling her God's looking for someone to worship in spirit and in truth. He said the time is coming and has now come because he's out witnessing to help her. She's been a liar to herself, married five times, not living, living with a man she's not married to, thinks she's religious. He goes, you're not even worshiping God in your heart. The time is coming and now is that God's calling you to worship in spirit and truth. So this is about the existential moment of his witnessing. The time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. It's the same thing he just said, but in a stronger tone. He says, my voice with the words in front of you men that I am the Savior of the world is supposed to bring you from death to life. It's come. The kingdom of God is here. For as the Father has life in himself, remember they didn't like him saying God was his Father. They had just told him they didn't like that. 
Just as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted that the Son also has life in himself. And the Father has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. I can look at someone and say, your sins are forgiven. And about four or five times in the stories of the Gospels, that's what he does. He just looks at a person and says, your sins are forgiven. That really twerked them because they, they said that he had, he had uh, forgiven their sins. I get to judge. And I see if they have faith in me as a redeemer and I'll tell them they're forgiven. I make people spiritually alive by giving them myself through my word. No one else can do that. Only Jesus can. And he does it through his Holy Spirit who brings us the word today. Half of you, I don't mean half of all of you. That would be like the southern half of all y'all. Half of you individually believes in Jesus. Half of you is a recalcitrant unbeliever, your old sinful nature. So it's good to hear this again and again and again. Because we, it helps the word of God is the sword of the spirit that we slay our old sinful man. And it is the life-giving water by which we renew the new spiritual man. What really is troubling is that sometimes we believers are walking around like the walking dead. <laughs> without the joy and without the hope and without the peace. Because in our old man's kind of gotten the best of us and we're, we're living as if he really, we really aren't the saved. We really aren't the redeemed. We really aren't at peace with God. And maybe even the way that we're, we get crabby and criticize and keep rules on each other, we show that we're the walking dead. But we're not. So let this be, this devotion, be your Jesus talking to you saying, I brought you from death to life. Now live the life of a living, believing, peaceful Christian person. Now, that makes us different than the world, doesn't it? But there is something that it, it doesn't do yet for us. It doesn't raise our body. Because you have a sinful nature and your body is still sinful, although you're redeemed and you have a new man, although you're still going to die. There's not one of us that's not going to die. I was yesterday going thumbing through Facebook uh, feed and mine, and I there's a there's a probably for your high school there is too, but there's a I went to South Garland. Our mascot was the Colonels. So the South Garland Colonels, Fallen Colonels Facebook for the year that I graduated. And my wife graduated from the same high school in the same year. We're two days apart. And uh, I was thumbing through there, and it says, there's 32 people reported had passed from our class of about 485. That 32 have already passed. And I was thumbing through the list, and I, it was kind of staggering because these are some of them were kids I really hung out with, even you know, out of the big group. One of them was a guy I spent a weekend with fishing and playing around in his parents' lake house. And I'd, if I'd heard it before, I'd forgotten, so it kind of hit me. And because I'm a heart patient, it's, it puts next to him how they died. It says he died of a, at age 55 this August of a massive heart attack. Death makes even the preacher think about it, right? We can't keep ourselves alive. Bible, there's a Bible verse that says that. Jesus came to redeem those who could not keep themselves alive. So if he doesn't save our bodies and bring them back to life, we're in a real pickle. We have a soul, but he does. And he wants us to have that hope. He wants us to look at this body that's getting old and is going to die and say, I'm going to be raised new by Jesus. 
So that's what he says. Don't be amazed that I can, he's telling the guys now, don't be amazed that I say I can bring someone to life spiritually. You ain't seen nothing yet. One day I'm going to speak and people are going to come out of the graves. Let me read it to you. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice. Don't be amazed that I said I can make you spiritually alive. They will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is worthless will rise to be condemned. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. And my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. You see how he's saying, you cannot say you believe in the Father and you don't believe in me because I'm doing everything that the Father said. I don't even do it on my own. I sound real egocentric, but I'm actually the perfect son of God that was sent to save you, and I'm just doing what he told me to do. But I'm going to get to speak, and everyone's going to rise from the dead. Who is? Everyone. I thought it was just maybe the believers. No, everyone. When I was in high school, I had a Christian coach that was a health teacher in, you know, they have the coaches teach health a lot of times. And he just let the class go and start talking about Christian things. And I wasn't leading that discussion, but I was part of it. And not everybody in the class had faith. And uh, they were talking, the kids were talking about Judgment Day and, and Jesus and, and, and God judging us. And when we, the, the bell rang and we had to get up and leave the class, we're walking down the hallway, a friend of mine named Scott, who really didn't have much word of God in his family ever. He just shook his head and he said, I just hope I'm dead when he call it, when his judgment day comes. <laughs> I said, Scott, you'll be there because he's going to raise all the dead. I had been taught in my class of these scriptures in seventh and eighth grade, right? You're going to be there. He was kind of shocked. There's going to be a lot of people that are shocked. He's going to raise everyone. And he says in, in a different place, in Matthew 25, like a shepherd divides at the end of the day for the sleeping at night, sheep and goats, he'll divide people. And he'll say to the, the sheep, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. And I was prison and you came to see me. I was sick and you took care of me. And they will say, when did we see you sick? You were gone a long time ago. When did we see you? And he goes, whenever you did it to the least of these brothers of mine who have faith in me, you did it to me. He'll turn to the other people and he'll say, I was naked, you wouldn't come and clothe me. I was hungry, you wouldn't feed me. Thirsty, you wouldn't give me to drink. You wouldn't come see me when I was sick and you wouldn't come to see me in prison. Well, well, you've been gone a long time. When did we see you like that? He said, whenever you didn't do it for the least of these over here that are in my name, you didn't do it for me. And you gotta, you gotta think this through. Don't let it blow past you. They will rise to be condemned, he says here in this verse, because they did worthless things. He doesn't mean they didn't do anything of worth in the eyes of themselves or their family or their friends or their community. To give money to charity to help a hospital that saves many people's earthly lives is a wonderful, beautiful thing. But that doesn't mean it's before the one judge going to be the measure of your righteousness in your life before a holy God. If you think you can do good on earth to save your soul, it's worthless, right? But then there's a whole lot of other worthless things, like just living for self-indulgence, right? And all of those things. Jesus says, when you listen to Jesus, when he says to the sheep and the goats, you didn't do it for me, or you did it for me, this is what you want to notice. He doesn't say to the Christians at the, on the last day, he won't say, but you know, you messed up at all these other times. 
You know why? They've crossed over from death to life. They will not be judged. Your sins are washed away. Because the Lord has taken all your sins away, the only things left is whatever works done from faith are there. And the faith is you did it for Christ when you did it for others at the deepest part of your core. The other folks, though, since they never did anything for Christ, none of their good works are mentioned. They, they did some things that were, in quotes, good, but they're not mentioned because they weren't done out of faith and love toward Christ. You see it? You go, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that it's all reduced down to just whether it's done for that one person, Jesus Christ, on whether a person has faith or not, and that's the evidence of faith, whether they have good works or not? It has to do with whether or not they did them for Jesus out of faith. You mean to tell me it's that narrow? And the answer is, yes, absolutely right. Narrow is the way. The broad is the way that leads to destruction. When you've crossed over from death to life, you know what I'm talking about. And this has multiple of applications, but for a minute, I'm going to apply it to a human relationship. Let's just pick marriage, but it can apply to any relationship. You know how it is when you're in a relationship where you want the other person to do better for you. It could be a person in their church, but think of marriage. So you, you, you're praying, God, please, since I'm a guy, God, please help my wife to listen to me when I'm trying to tell her what I need or what I want that she should do, right? Just help her listen to me. Did you know that if Mary could listen to me, and I think all my prayers were answered, and then perhaps they were, but it might not be a good work, done out of faith and love toward Christ. So it's better to pray, oh God, help my spouse or my friend to listen to you and to do and live their life out of faith. Then you're praying for their relationship with God that will spill over and cascade into being good and a blessing for you and others. But see how carnal we can be even in our prayers? Because we can actually not be thinking about what's that which is done from faith. One more, I didn't give this one this morning. Trying to make sure we support the gospel effort of our church. We can try a lot of communication efforts thinking we've got to get this done so that people will know the needs of the church so they will support what God needs to do. And sometimes when we're thinking that way as leaders, we are not thinking, but what if they give from the wrong motive? What if it's to save the organization and not out of their love and faith toward Christ? They could, <laughs> you could build an edifice, right? And it not, it'd be worthless because it didn't come from faith. Won't even be mentioned on the last day because <laughs> it didn't come from faith. Jesus will judge that way on the end. He's going to raise everybody from the dead. What's really cool is that we know he's going to raise our bodies. And what's even better is we know that he's going to not count our sins toward us because they're already gone. And all he'll see is that which is done from faith. Um, we live for this Jesus as an, as an audience of one. And he, because he saved us, he's, he's the most important voice in our life. Yeah, we really mean it that, that carefully. In, uh, every now and then, I'll go back to this thing about being a heart patient and some things about it that have become personal spiritual illustrations in my life. So today, there's a different aspect of my treatment. Since I had a massive heart attack and didn't pass on, 
12 years ago. Uh, something happened during that, that that I haven't t- said before that's become an example of Jesus in me that I want you to have. So uh, it was Labor Day, and there, the, the cardiologist on call for that ER that I went to on Labor Day 2004 was, 2006, sorry, uh, was Todd Gage. So I get there, they, put the, they call the cardiologist on call because they looked at my EKG and said, this guy's in trouble. And they called him in. He comes in and says, we need to take you into our catheter lab. We have one here at the hospital because there's an abnormality on your EKG. And I say, uh, can you prove that to me? This really feels like a racket. <laughs> he says, you see this little line going down, 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 it's supposed to be going up, up, up. They, you know, he knew I was a layman in those terms. And I, I said, where do I sign? And I signed and they wheeled me in there. They put a, you know, they went up and put a ballooned out the clot that was there and put a, a stent, saved my life. Later he said, you had the worst kind. It was in the biggest artery at the top of your heart. Most people just die. That's a widow maker just like that. I said, you know, my GP always told me that I need to take, my general practitioner takes statins from the last couple of years, but I wouldn't do it. And, he, and I said, I was worried about my liver. He said, how many people you know that die from statins? I said, none. He goes, how many people you know that die of heart disease? I said, a lot. What's really cool, and it happens in most hospitals, the guy on call, if you want him, becomes your attending cardiologist to treat you later. So I got to go see the guy that doing his job saved my life as my doctor. I just saw him again last week, 12 years later, every six months, or sometimes in between. A lot of you friends... You guys tell me what you think about taking care of my body and my heart. I get a lot of advice, and I, that's good. We should give it, right? But it's not all the same. Sometimes they're like two very different things. You know there's one voice that I'll listen to more than yours? Todd Gage. <laughs> he loves me. He studies hard. He saves my life. He keeps himself in good health. He's got lots of patience. He's not God. He's not perfect. He may be wrong, but I listen to him because he saved my life, and he's He's got something going on with cardiology. I feel the, now I didn't tell you all that to tell you about Dr. Gage, because there's a lot of great cardiologists, right? I'll tell you that to tell you about Jesus. He saved your life. There's no one else you want to listen to about matters, spiritual matters. Nobody. It's always Jesus. Everything gets filtered past him. His, his words are in print. Not all of them, but every, all of them that he wanted us to have. It's all there. You can, you can filter out all kinds of lies if you'll stay in the word. Make it your life goal to visit appointments with Jesus and get those checkups to find out what his word is saying. That's what you're here for tonight. But do it in your own personal devotions. And practice what he tells you to practice for your good spiritual heart health. Whatever he says is a good work, do it, no matter what the cost. Because it's Jesus telling you what, what it is. Make sure that you are listening to the words of Christ. That's what he says. Whoever listens to me and believes in the one who sent me to, to save and then to judge, you'll, you're, you're going to be fine. That's how you keep safe. Keep it simple. Live with him, through him, for him. Because he is the one who saved you. Amen. Let's pray. God in heaven, Jesus Christ, thank you for being our Savior. Help us to do this, to live a a faith-filled life. 
we need you every day to, to remind us of these things. We're glad that you came back and told us again. Amen.